When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor, and what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show, so you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So for instance, we can have polls, we can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, that's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, and if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Adulting Well Podcast. I am your co-host, Joshua, and I'm joined today by Kevin. Kevin, what's going on today? Well, we have a very special guest for our finale of episode, of season four. Jackson Galaxy has joined us. Jackson really doesn't need much of an introduction to our listeners, but he is popularly known as the Cat Daddy, and he's the host and executive producer of Animal Planet's long-running hit show, My Cat from Hell, which I highly recommend and am a fan of. Uh, he's also an author who uh, has been a two-time New York Times bestseller, and with 25 years of experience working with cats and their guardians, he's on a mission to educate people about cats and deepen the human-cat bond while reducing the number of cats in shelters. I just want to say, she, Courtney sent us a long bio, but one of the things that really stuck out was at the end, and that your true goal is to help save all animals, and that is incredibly inspiring to me. I mean, there were a lot of things in your story and bio that I read prior to having you on that resonated. But our first question generally is kind of like, just give us a little like origin story, you know, tell us where you grew up and especially your involvement with music, because that's incredibly important to our listeners. Um, I'm a New Yorker. I'm uh, I'm a Manhattanite. And uh, um, yeah, I grew up there. No matter where I live, I still I still identify. I'm still New York, <laughs> New York identified. Um, and you know what? I gotta say, just tangentially, I have never been away from New York this long. This is mm. uh, it'll be a year coming up next month, and it just it's killing me. Um, but um, that said, um, yeah, I mean, and that's the beautiful thing is, I mean, I, I started playing the guitar when I was nine and immediately saw that as my my calling my thing and at nine years old yeah how yeah. did you get a guitar at nine years old you know what it was it was a hand-me-down of a hand-me-down it was like the, one of those nylon strings yeah. you know the neck was bigger than my hand kind of thing and then after i'd been taking lessons uh, for my cousin for about a year my dad was like and my cousin was like you got to get him an actual guitar at this time. Yeah. So I got my first, I got my first steel string guitar when I was 11. And I want to show you if you can see this right here. You see that heavily decorated Ooh. guitar right there? Yes. That's the one. That's my, that's my that's original beautiful. guitar. And yeah, it turned into an art piece over the last couple of years because it, it's no longer playable. Um, but um, amazing. But yeah, uh, I, I then just dove into it and. Um, you know, and that led to other things. I mean, I, I, the beautiful thing was growing up in New York City is that my exposure to music was complete and beautiful. And because I was always sort of a big kid, 
I was able to fake my way into clubs um, early. Um, but um, my best friend at the time, um, me and him, you know, wrote a lot together, or just played a lot together. And, and he gave up on rock and roll by the time we were in the 10th grade, ninth grade, you know, mm -hmm. something like that. And uh, he became a jazz guitarist. And so my exposure to jazz was also complete and beautiful. And I spent a lot of my time at the Vanguard and Blue Note and places like that. Wow. Um, and yeah, no, I think that was a huge deal uh, was growing up there. And, um, and yeah, that I stayed true to that for 20 some odd years. Um, and really it wasn't until, um, kind of, it wasn't until the show took off that I was like, okay, I got a choice here. <laughs> this is just too much. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I kind of let it go at that point. Um, but yeah, I was identified myself as a writer first and foremost, and a songwriter and a singer and a guitar player. That was my thing. Were you uh, cool? Was I cool? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't cool, I don't think. Yeah. You sound cool. <laughs> I, you know what? It was I didn't find my cool until like the eleventh grade. I think, right, I think yeah. at that point. Right, right. You know, it was a painful growth process. Man, I was like a totally a chubby six foot tall seventh grader, man. I mean wow. I, I was yeah, I was a pituitary disaster um so i you know it was tough but yeah no i think the the more confident i became and also what was interesting is that i started to get into the theater around that time as well because i was writing music for theater and then it just became this well why not do that too you know oh, and nice. uh, that also helped with your cool a little bit sure Certain crowds, for sure. sure. A, little, a little give and take. Yeah. It wasn't musical theater. Was, yeah. The guitar helps immensely, I found, as yeah. a child. Guitar does help, but I got it. Listen, I'm going to be completely forthcoming here. I did not, like, my guitar playing, my singing, my writing, was never about, like, getting dates. Oh, like, yeah, I, yeah, of course. I, yeah. I could, well, you know, no, I mean, honestly, that's, you know, yeah. that's one of those things where I'm going to be a rock star, and I'll, you know. That I, sounds it, very punk to me, though, because, like, it's yeah. almost like like you 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 can't say that if you're in a punk band, you know, like you you yeah totally yeah, yeah. and yeah. and and for me it was like literally it was all I all I cared about yeah and and music was like all I cared about and um, and it's interesting because I mean it really you know what I gotta say as you get older it really takes a lot of work to stay engaged and to stay like and not become your parents and say ah you kids are listening to crap you yeah. know what i mean what is this crap you're listening to back in my day we knew music you know and i'm trying i'm trying yeah. hard um so uh i've got yeah, I, yeah that's my music backstory um did, and, you, uh, did you play in bands yeah yeah i mean i played in bands uh, interestingly enough until I had enough guts to start my own band, which, you know, was a while. Yeah. Uh, not until I was in college that I was like, you know what? Um, uh, but I played bass mostly in, in other people's bands. And mm -hmm. then I, um, I finally found Sonic Youth helped. I got to yeah. say, oh, wow. knowing that like sound was more important than like straight up, like, you know, Van Halen-ish technique. Um, I found my ability to, to, to be proud of what I could do guitar wise, you know? Nice. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it was, yeah. I, I mean, but bands, you know what, by the time I moved to LA, I was like, I'm done with bands, man. I don't want yeah. this democratic, not democratic, autocratic. I write the songs, <laughs> but, you're, you're, but you guys have an equal voice garbage. It, I, I was done. Um, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, it, it's horrible, man. <laughs> I came to LA. I'm like, well, there's plenty of session guys here. You know? Yeah, for yeah. sure, sure. But, yeah, I think it, good call out by the way with Sonic Youth. I'm like, I got a little. Oh yes, it, it's, it's it's you know uh, honestly one of my uh, one story that I just I uh, when I was in college I. Um, I did a lot of sort of just roadie work, you know, unloading and loading of bands mm -hmm. that would come in. And my big thing was I got to work backstage at a Sonic Youth show. No and, you know, way. They travel, they travel with about 30 guitars. Yeah. And, you know, all of which with, you know, three strings here, tuned to F sharp minor here, you know, whatever it is. And, uh, and I got to, like, unload the guitars, and I got to, like, put them in the stands, and I got to, like 
you know, fawn over over those guys. Oh yeah, it was actually, you know what was crazy? I mean, I went to a very small college, and it was a double bill. It was Sonic Youth and, um, and um, oh, my God, why am I blanking on their name? Steve Albini's old band. Uh, oh, Big Black or Shellac? Big Black. No, it was Big Black. So nice. it was Big Black, Sonic Youth. And it was Amazing. just like the most, Yeah, it was, it was earth-shattering. I uh, bet. Was, well, yeah, volume-wise, too, but it was, it was great. Yeah, I so funny funny story. I did. I used to do merchandise for the AAS, and we I got to do the uh, McCarran Park pool shows with Sonic Youth that they did when the pool was still drained. And I, so I had seen Sonic Youth before, but like the whole scene with the sun going down and like mm-hmm. them on stage in the middle of Brooklyn, like it was unbelievable. I mean, You're like I'm done. That's yeah. it. I mean, <laughs> why even bother? I'm not going to play the drums anymore. No more bands. I mean, <laughs> between those two playing live together, like that, it was like the pinnacle of like great live performance, you know? And yeah. Yeah. So, and, totally. And I, I really, and like I said, I mean, bands like that gave me so much confidence that, uh, that my voice was just as valid as anybody else's, you know? Um, and, uh, and it, it did, like, it took a while. I don't think I was, I honestly, having started so early playing guitar and writing songs, I don't honestly think it was until I was in my, I, I would even say mid-20s, early to mid-20s, that I was like, no, this is me. Now I can yeah. step away from all of my influences. This is me, you know. That's awesome. I was 42. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. But, um... <laughs> I, I uh, one of the things is that's interesting, and there's there was a bunch of parallels with your sort with the sto- your story, you know, your life story, and things that have happened to me too. I'm also sober. I'm a vegan. Um, and I've been so nervous. I've never seen I, I'm, nervous. I know. I'm like. I'm like. I'm like. Wow. Like. And my my mother in law actually turned me on to your show because she's like, I can't believe that you don't know who Jackson Galaxy is. Like he's like should be like your person. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> let me watch this show. And then I knew Hannah already, so we reached out to her to get the connection. So Hannah Shaw was on our show this yeah. last year. But um, what resonated with me especially was your connection with animals. And sort of how, like, it all comes together for you in many ways now. And sort of what you, it seems like the lessons you learned from playing rock and roll, being in really DIY kind of band situations, and then kind of the success you've had over the years, like, it's all rooted in this, like, deep connection and caring with animals. And one of my first bands was like a vegan hardcore band. And that's basically the reason I did it was because of animals. And so I... Yeah. So, uh, you know, I've read a few, you know, stories about kind of how you got into the animal, you know, animal welfare and and caring for animals and the people that take care of them. Um, But I I think it'd be good for our listeners, especially the ones that don't know your backstory to hear a little bit about that. And kind of, especially when you kind of hit your bottom with your, with your drinking and the other stuff, because it really is, it's a really inspiring story, Jackson. And it it really, you know, got me. So. It's interesting too because when I started writing that first book, Cat Daddy, that it, it was really interesting. I had only written not even a chapter. I was writing the the section of the book where my friend the cat Benny was was uh, in his downward decline, and I was basically just waiting, just watching, waiting, being with him, and. I couldn't handle the emotions of it, so I just started writing because that's what I know how to do. And we had just only been on the air for that first season, and we didn't even know if we were going to come back. The first season was only like three, four episodes, something like that. And um, a friend of mine sent that that ten pages to who would become my agent. And she went and ran with it, man. And and I thought that was beautiful. So it was only supposed to be a story about a cat. Right. And then my publisher was like, no, no, we got to hear your story too, <laughs> you know. So the 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 drug thing, the, the the alcohol thing, my 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 entire history with addiction, which is pretty primal with me, um, had to come into light because it was really what helped define that relationship. And uh, I was I was freaking scared, man. I really was. Yeah. And the first, 
the first sort of, and I don't want to call it fan letter, but whatever, you know, that I got from that book was from an addict who said that he didn't realize he had relapsed until he read it and he was on his way to rehab mm. when he when he wrote that. And I thought that was the most beautiful thing. And um, yeah, no, I mean, I my history goes, you know, if I trace it back, my addiction was strong when I was a child. Um, right. And we, we always refer to it as a disease. And uh, my disease finally, and isn't it interesting, as I talk about getting into my 20s where I was like, oh, I found my voice as a songwriter, I all started getting really loaded, you know? Right. And by the way, I think it's a really huge mistake, and I don't know if you feel this way, but a really huge mistake that people make is that when they get sober, they disavow their life, and yes. especially artists disavow their yes. life creatively yes. when they were using. And that's just ridiculous, man. It's I mean, total bullshit because I found, like, <laughs> since I quit drinking, like, I've gotten better at everything, everything creatively. Because I'm actually, like, because I'm not fucked up all the time. I think that's a huge myth about, about that, yeah. You know, what? when you talk about, like, you know, I think it was Ram Dass who would talk about, like, asking, oh, yeah. you know, gets you, what is it, the windows of the soul, that whole thing. Right, sure. What was the Windows of Reality? Whatever the, the hell he said, I mean, I love him, but and uh, I, it, it does it it to a certain degree. And believe me, man, I mean, there's that tipping point where I'm doing you know a whole truckload of acid just because I want to get to that place, and then you pass that stop and yeah. you're, you're heading down a hill someplace else and you just don't know where that, that, that even Bukowski used to say after two or three drinks I'm just like any other drunk riding I'm no good you know yeah totally true it, that's a great way of, I, I mean I but like I said I don't want to discount it because I think some of my best writing came from that that time yeah then yeah. again I mean you know it also took many years off my life and almost killed me multiple times um and as i said in the book and i and i don't think i was doing this for literary effect is that one of the things that i heard from so many addicts who were on the verge of killing themselves was that and i used this in a song one time which was you know as this guy is just sort of drifting into his own oblivion he stops and goes wait who's gonna feed the cat you know and, yeah. and that moment of saying, wait a minute, this being who, if, if this being was human or these beings were human, they'll be fine without me. And they'll be able to go to therapy. <laughs> right. You know, but, but these animals won't. And um, I think that that experience of, of 10 years of shelter work and, um, and stepping into my own as a cat person and whatever, I think that that, saved me man honestly I, and i know by now it's cliched i should have been dead 25 years ago mm -hmm. yeah easily, you know so yeah i'm glad i'm around yeah we are too and you know it's interesting i think a lot of times the confusion especially people that are like newer in recovery and i, I see this a lot they want to disconnect from everything that they could perceive as being sort of poisonous to their recovery yeah. And the fact of the matter is we're, we're all the sum of our entire story. So as you sort of work through amending your life with the people around you and the, the, especially the ones that you've harmed, I think owning that story is just as important, you know, for your recovery as anything else, because you, you can't help somebody else if they can't connect with you. And I'm not a big proponent of like meetings where people do these like giant talks about all the bad stuff that happened to them either. But I think that it's important to make that connection with people so that they understand we do get better. You know, there's a way to to get well. And, yeah. you know, if I was this sick and I'm this well now, then you can do it, too. And come with me, you know. So and also, I think in that in that exact line of, of thought, I think that what keeps us sick is also that notion that I either have to be perfect or I have to be yeah. dead, you right. know? And I think that, that that's something else that we can teach the, the newcomers is that, that it, there's no such thing. There's right. no such thing. And, yeah. and, uh, and God knows I know that. I mean, you know, I'm by no means 
you know, some icon of sobriety. I mean, I stepped into the rooms in 02 and, um, you know, I've, I've relapsed multiple times, you know, um, uh, but it's, it's, it happens. And and honestly, I got to say that my last relapse was after the publication of cat daddy. Mm -hmm. And that was the guilt that at that point, because just putting it into writing like that and, 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 not really touching on the sort of fragility of mm-hmm. your sobriety, which oh, I yeah. just don't think I hit in that book. When I finally did uh, go out, that's what I had to get over. It's, I felt like I owed an amends to like everybody who ever read that book, you know. So, um, and I still do to some extent, but yeah. but different reasons. I, yeah. So I I, um, I I agree. I mean, I think it's it's something that. It's so important. And you know what? This does sort of go into the world of, of, of working with animals. Yep. Is that if you want to be taught humility on a daily basis, work with animals, <laughs> you know, because honestly, they will, they will hand you your lunch on a daily basis. And it's important because it helps me in many ways to realize that I will never have my shit together. Right. <laughs> I will never be that guy. Yeah. So. Well, we, we rescued a, a, a kitten that's got a feral mommy um, during the pandemic and she's still young and she's kind of the boss of the house now, you know, and we're, we're trying to sort of, I'm trying to cope with that. And we have an older dog as well. And it's kind of interesting to watch the dynamic in the house change as she's getting older too. She, you know, she's growing up and not being as like crazy kitten, but um, you know, they, both of them, the dog, because of his unconditional, absolute adore, adoring love for me and the, the cat, because she will surprise me with these, like, this is what I'm doing now. And you can't stop me yeah. because I'm a cat, you know, yeah, like, it's, exactly. it's like, like, I'm like, I wake up every day and I'm like, okay, so what's it going to be today? You know? And, but like, yeah. I love them so much, you know, they're just like such great family members, you know? And isn't that, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, to keep making this, this sort of sobriety, uh, well, and Hey, by the way, the moment that we're living in, uh, you know, the idea of either accepting our powerlessness or railing against it. Right. And I think that that's what makes people hate cats is that they are so uncomfortable with the sense of being powerless, yeah. especially to an animal, especially right. having to compromise with an animal, you know. And, I mean, we learn that every day. I mean, we're, we're fostering, we've been fostering a lot of kittens lately, um, but we're fostering two kittens right now that are really young, one of which is a lot of work because he's so feral. And it's right on that that line. And every day you go in there and you work with them, you deal with them, and, and you don't know what the outcome's going to be. Right. You don't know just because you know a lot. My wife knows in terms of taming ferals, she's light years beyond me, um, that you don't know how it's gonna, how the story's going to end. And... I think it's just really important to expose yourself to these things, you know, to, to admit that you, you know, you're not the director, you know, no, no. And it's, um, it is humbling though. I mean, <laughs> you know, especially as like a primarily dog person, most of my life, I've had a few cats over the years and most of them have just adored me and been my cat, you know, like no matter what household I was in, this one is my wife's cat for sure. She is her person. She goes. How's that going for you? I'm really sad about it. (laughs) I'll look over and they're like cuddling and, you know, and then she comes over to me. Is that an interesting dynamic that you can get jealous of that? Like we've had that in our house too, where the cat will only get on my legs in the living room and her legs in the bedroom. And it's like, what am I, chopped liver in here now all of a sudden? And and so, you know, my wife does does one better. I mean, of course, we're just totally kidding. But she'll, you know, one of the cats will just cuddle up to her in bed and never with me. And she'll and she'll look over me. She's like, so how are you feeling about this? Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But so, we can do that because we've got seven of them. So Oh, like, yeah. Well, see, that's what my in. And the dog is my dog. I mean, he's all about me. So, you know, there's that, too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, we actually we uh, the dogs. It's interesting. We have three dogs and yeah. um, and one of them. My wife is is Persian, um, and we had gotten this. Uh, it's kind of a long story, but but short version of it is, 
that the the story had come out of Iran about it just it was a viral video about this dog who uh, video captured him going through something that was pretty horrible. And he was rescued by uh, a dog rescuer there. And then the word got around. It's a very small, you know, the animal rights world in Iran and here, pretty small. And, um, and the word got to us. And she said, we need to, we need to, we need to get him. Mm-hmm. And so we got him from Tehran. He flew here, sight unseen for the most part. And then he gets here. And I think she thought he was going to be like her dog. And that didn't happen. <laughs> he's kind of my boy. He's yeah. a problem, man. He's a, he's a, he's a problem. But yeah. Who um, wouldn't be after all that? That's oh my God. He was so beat up, man. And, yeah. and, um, and it's, you know, when he first got here, he couldn't, he didn't know how to walk up the floor. Like I had a, he's a freaking, the second he came out of his carrier, I was like, Oh, you're a pony. I mean, like, he's like, you know, a 75-pound dog. And I had to, like, lug his ass all over the place because he didn't know what to do when he hit a floor. Totally unhouse trained. Obviously very scared of of a lot of different people and noises to this day. Certain noises sent him, you know. Yeah. But I adore Maybe Maybe that's it, you know. I mean, maybe it's like that, you know, patron saint of lost causes kind of thing where you just, the more broken... Yeah. Somebody or some, some, you know, whether they're human or non-human is, I, I seem more drawn to them, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. That's, yeah. That's the story. Well, he, at least he found a safe place to live, right? I mean, that's, that's for sure. You gravy all found train, each other. Man. You yeah. get the gravy train. I, I, I say that to my dog all the time. Do you know how good your life is here in Mill Valley, California? <laughs> That's right, man. Handmade food, sleeping in bed with us, you know. I know. Yeah, no, he's good. My boy's got it made. Um, yep. So did I, did I see that you are also now, um, you have some other animals in your household? I watched an ep- the first episode of the new season. Oh, that. Well, yeah. So Salvador, who is a rooster. Um, <laughs> He was, he was our foster rooster. Okay. The thing was, we got him, um, our, our life as it pertains to chickens was a really weird little moment where we had neighbors who, you know, the, the living circumstances weren't ideal. We took these chickens, built them a killer freaking run and coop and all that. Nice. Um, and so those were our first two chickens. One died very soon after. Um uh, a lot of these chickens get egg bound, especially if they're created for the industry. And, um, and then, you know, the, the other chicken was lonely. Mm-hmm. And so we adopted another one of her breed. And then the, the rescuer who was giving us this, she goes, look, this little chicken, this little chick, I mean, little baby chick is really ugly and nobody's going to adopt this chick. So Aww. maybe you guys can take him. Or her, we didn't know, because you don't know at that age. So, yeah, we spent the next couple of months, like, bringing him up, knowing that it probably wasn't ideal, especially when we found out he was male. But, yeah, in that one episode, so his name is Salvador. And uh, Salvador, we counted. The most he ever crowed in a single day was, like, 120 times. Oh, my God. And this is, we're in the middle of freaking Los Angeles, man. Like, you know, we have neighbors. Yeah. we were scared, you know? So, yeah, so in the middle of that episode, it was always like, there's Salvador yelling his ass off in the background. Um, but now, no, he's now uh, waiting for adoption at uh, Best Friends Sanctuary. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's nice. talking about get, having it made, man. Yeah, that's a great yeah, sanctuary. Yeah. So you, were, you basically brought Kauai to your house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. I mean, you know, the funny thing is that, like, you know, the chicken thing, again, people assume that we have chickens because we want eggs and we're vegans. Right. So we feed them back to the chickens. We feed them to the dogs and the cats. But, yep. yeah, we don't have anything to do with it. But, yeah, the foray to chickens was new. We also have a turtle uh, who was my mom's turtle. And when she passed, we got him. And uh, it just keeps growing. And we don't have any place to grow, man. We're in the middle of the We're, we're maxed. We're, we're at our limit. You're definitely going to run out of room at some point in L.A. No, it's, it, no that happened a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, no. I mean, the kittens that we're working with, see, we will only work with seriously feral kittens because right. usually what we'll do is we'll separate them 
uh, to just really be intensive because we only have a bathroom. That's all we have for these guys. So as soon as they get like social, then they go to somebody else's house. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's we're we're done. We're I, we've been cut off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing though. So talk about what the, you know, I mean, the, the show origin story is pretty amazing too. Cause it was, I mean, the, it just was like a DIY reel, right? Like you did it with somebody that you met that like. Talk- it, it was, uh, it, it was interesting because I mean, you know, I met people and I met other people and there was one reel that we did that went absolutely nowhere. But the whole time, I was just sort of like, okay, I, I was not driven to do this in any way, shape, or form. I was still like, let me just make a living here doing my cat thing, but I'm still doing music. And, uh, and then it was just a matter of the right people seeing the right thing and somebody from a production company seeing me teach a class and then onward into their office. And then so there was a very tentative deal struck with, with uh, Animal Planet which was like, here, we'll pay for, you know, a tease, you know, just a basic sort of, this is what the show would look like. And, and all props to three ball, the, the production company, we stretched that thing to, to an entire segment. And once they realized how inexpensive we could make this show, it seems as though there wasn't a ton of creative besides following what I normally do. Right. And, uh, and then they picked it up. So I, the amazing thing was it happened really fast. It yeah. sounds like it. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I mean, I was here for two weeks before a friend of mine who, who you know, uh, wound up doing initial pitching was like, well, you're a cat guy. And you look like that. So we got to do something. You know? right. and, um, <laughs> uh, and and between the time that that three ball took me on to, to, to the network taking us on to you know, filming a, a three episode season was a couple of months. And then it sat because they couldn't, and this is interesting and reflective of, you know, where we were. Advertisers were like, cats, you know, right. do cat people actually leave their house? You know, that kind of thing. Like, wow. They, they, there was, and in fact, the first couple of seasons of the show, I think the only real true sponsors we had were like Swiffer and like, you know, this is before cats. like, like cats and true crime Venn diagram met like 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. man. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, honestly, I think that, that once the show had been on the air for about three years, then we had true advertisers come on board, litter and, and whatever, but um, it took a while. And, uh, uh, but that's why it, it paused for, for quite a bit. And even after our first season, I mean, they were throwing spaghetti against the wall. I mean, it, it, it was we didn't have much support at all. I got a lot of support from from my cat community, from people that I knew, right. bloggers and whatever. Um, and we spread the word around. So um, yeah, it was. Believe me, especially now looking back on it, I mean, ten seasons later, I mean, I know exactly how lucky I was. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like the the story is usually that someone wants to be on TV or have a show so bad that they yeah. get there. But yeah, yeah, it just kind of came to you because it's the perfect because you're perfect for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, it, it was interesting how it wasn't until it was really close, right. like we were we had already done all of our meetings with with Admiral Planet, we had filmed the reel, we had done all that. That finally, I was like, yeah, I really want this. Like, and and you got to put that energy out there, as I found, you know, the more Mm -hmm. blase you are about it, you know, the less. Uh, And and so, yeah, it wasn't until the end uh, that I was like, I really want this. And and I still had to be talked into it. Like, I I was always on the verge, as addicts will do, Mm -hmm. of completely hand grenading everything this is very relatable to me like (laughs) very relatable that's what this show is to me now like i almost blow this show up every week i mean kevin knows (laughs) it's hard man and and i I think it's 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 sure it's it's a reflection of your own stuff but i mean i think that and again i also think it's that reflection of perfection where listen when they fed me the name of this show I almost had a 
freaking heart attack. Like, I, in fact, I did. Like, I, 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 like the old Fred Sanford, like, <laughs> Elizabeth, that's the big one. You know? <laughs> but, like, I, I really thought, I knew that, like, my animal rights people and, and my shelter people and anybody who knew me knew that that was, like, the end antithesis right you know my cat from hell good lord but <laughs> they were right you know yeah. i mean mm-hmm. attracted all of the sort of cat curious or just the you know the true crime curious yeah. uh, and and we made a show out of it well and i think that you know when people see the show and kind of hear you talk about it you're you know the fact is the 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 name is a teaser to get people to watch because the the real fact of it is, and as you've said over and over again in every episode, there's no bad cats. Like you just, mm. just like knowing how to work with them and kind of getting the best sort of relationship. It's not, it's funny because it's not even like you're never going to train a cat, cat, obviously, but getting the best relationship out of your dynamic with your animals is like, it seems like that seems such a simple idea and it's so hard to achieve, you know, yeah. especially with, I mean, they're just naturally wild. You know? They're naturally wild, and we naturally make excuses. I mean, yeah. I th- think that that's really what it comes down to. I think that we don't want to take ownership of, of dysfunction, and whether that's with, with other humans in our house or not humans, it's, it's a mm. really tough thing. And yeah. I think one of the joys I get, obviously I love working with cats, but if I just love working with cats, I would just work with cats. Right. I think part of the thing that I love is I like working with humans. I'm not one of those animal people who hates humans. I like right. I love humans, and I, for the most part, and I, I <laughs> especially these days, and I, I, uh, I, I just, I, 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 I love that moment where we allow for the space to learn on your own about yourself. And um, and then be able to bring that to the relationship that you have with a cat, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that might sound far fetched to some, and it always has. Um, but I mean, if you look at like the comments on my videos or anything, there's always like a handful of people who are like, "Kick the cat to the curb! What the hell's wrong with you?" You know? And uh, no, hey, listen. I mean, look. Here's the positive. The positive is that we. At least when I jumped on for the ride, and and that was my first job in a shelter was when uh, I think ninety three, and at that point our kill rate in in shelters, how many animals we were killing in shelters per year, was in the neighborhood of ten to twelve million per year, and we are we finally cracked that million mark where we're down in the eight hundred thousands at about this point, which is still oh, wow. a lot, but that's because. There's been this slow motion shift where animals are not perceived as property anymore, or we're getting there. And, of course, that feeds into my whole take on animals in general. I just sort of slow walk that one sometimes because, you know, I I don't want to turn people off. But but I think that's a huge step in the right direction. But, yeah, the whole kicking to the curb thing – is very still very prevalent. I can't imagine thinking of my cats as anything other than a family member, like an equal family member in my house. Like that's inconceivable to me. And a a poll came out, I think it was a year and a half or so ago that showed that 85% of people who had cats in their homes in in the States at this point, uh, 85% or so considered them family members. That's a huge huge jump. That is, I mean, that's massive. Yeah. Well, I, I think some of it is, um, you know, and I think one of the things that draws me to your, your, not just the show, but I've been watching your instructional videos because having a kitten and I'm 50, you know, is a lot of, you know, I have two kids and a dog and I've had, like I said, cats before, but it's just a different time in my life. Being able to understand no matter what, that this, this little, you know, creature is going to kind of do what they want. And it's my job to take care of them the best I can without, you know, wreaking havoc on their little brains and lives. And so watching the instructional videos, the thing that I was going to, the point is actually is more the the way that you present the information is digestible and it puts the responsibility on me as the adult member of the family. And I love that. Like it, it just is like, it's my job to be a better 
guardian to this little creature. Like it's not their job to be different than how they are because they're never going to be different than how they are, but they can live better in the environment if I'm a better like sort of member of the family. So it's just like, yeah. And I, I, I'm glad that you, that you pick up on that. I mean, I think if there's anything that I, that is just like sort of the linchpin of whatever approach I've got right now, which is, this is a relationship. Yeah. And you bring to this what you would bring to any other relationship. Um, and I think the hardest part, the hardest, you know, I mean, for me, listening is not easy, especially if I'm not interested. Um, sort of that, <laughs> <laughs> that day-to-day, like, I care about everything that you do. And if mm-hmm. I don't, I tell you about it and I need some space or whatever. Vulnerability is a big thing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I have never been very good at being truly vulnerable. It's one thing to be vulnerable on stage, which I'm right. good at, actually. Yeah. Uh, what I'm not good at is I sit in a room with you. And, I, and, and the idea further, to be vulnerable to a non-human animal is really not okay with us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not only come from, from a history of dominion, you know, right. to go to a future of partnership is uh, we're still, we're still not there yet. And, yeah. um, uh, I think, um, we've seen a lot of examples recently where eyes are being opened, um, to what a future with animals can look like. That's not what it is right now. Sure. Um, and I think the first step, honestly, if you think about it, the quick decline of animal entertainment, at least circuses. Yeah. Big freaking deal it happened fast mm-hmm. yeah. from from standing on the side being freaks with signs and in, in lion costumes outside the circus yeah. to ringling brothers dying yeah uh was a pretty fast thing and that is because we realized that asking an animal a tiger or a lion for instance to jump through a flaming hoop and applaud for that is not okay and I think from there we can make a lot. I Man, I'm going off, but I, I think oh, that sure, yeah, we can make a lot more uh, strides, and I think we will. I think we're 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 changing rapidly. Yeah, I mean, I and I was one of those guys dressed up outside the circus. So, um, you yeah. know, Kevin, I'm really worried, really worried that Julie's going to fire us if we oh, ask her question. That's right. So, out. so um, you're fireable. Well, our, our, we have a marketing director that's like, she's just really amazing and um, is a very much a, a cat person. She's very much an animal person. She's very much also a human person. She loves people and is just, wow. she's amazing. We love Julie. She's amazing. And we don't talk about her enough on the show, but she has an elder cat named Coco that does a deep meowing after she uses her litter box. And she doesn't seem upset, but she's more announcing it to her. Should we ask real quick, Jackson? Do you mind if we ask you a cat question? Because you probably no, no, that's that's problem. just fine. Yeah, let's give. Yeah, not sure if I can answer it, but that's but, fine. So she she says her cat meows and lets her know after she uses the litter box very in this deep like meow that she doesn't seem to normally use. I bet it's that like yeah. or that wail, yeah. Or like ah, that was good. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, you know what, it, it, and this is, I know it's a cheap answer, but it is definitely a cat to cat thing. And I, and I think yeah. that you said she was older, older cat. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, if she's always done it her whole life. That's one thing. If she started doing it more recently. I would definitely have that checked out only because you don't want it to be sort of this like, ouch, that hurt. Right. Um, and, and in a lot of ways we'll never know, you know, um, unless we, go and find out which you know it's really been hard because usually i'm the first to send people to the vet um just because i think it's the first place we should go mm-hmm. um but it's been really hard this year anybody who has to take their animals to the vet during lockdown knows how painful it is to have yeah. to hand them off in the parking lot yeah. not come in, not be their really advocate good. in the room i mean i think the vet industry as a whole has done really good in adapting to this yeah. but that being said, I would still just make sure if, if Coco hasn't been doing this her whole life, then that would be the first place I would look. I think, especially if they get older, yeah. um, digestively things get a little wonky, um, uh, and it could be as simple as you know kidney issues, yeah. whatever, or hard poops, man. Depending on like you know what you're feeding your cats, and I've just 
I can go on and on about nutrition, but sure. Um, but yeah, I, unfortunately, not the best answer in the world. But no, but I think it'll help. And you know, she mostly just wants Coco to be famous. So there you have it. Oh, there you go. Oh, this is all, boy. Shout out to Coco. Um, so I. I, one of the things that I found really amazing is, so you started before the pandemic to do your total cat mojo yeah. live show yeah. where you got to like bring music and all of your advocacy and also puppets, puppets. puppets. Wait, but what also, is this? So he, he does a live show. That's, <laughs> it's, like, come puppets? on, Joshua. <laughs> I don't know. I don't do on. any research. This is like, this is why I'm the research person, but, um, <laughs> But it like you, it looks to me, and I didn't see. I don't know if the show ever made it up to Northern California, but the next time we are going as a family, for sure, um, for sure. Um, but it looks like you get to incorporate all the things you love into one stage show. I That's mean, right. holy moly! I, I gotta say, one of the most perfect things I've ever like had the pleasure of, like perfect feeling, you know, yeah. where I get to go on the stage where I'm more home on a stage than I am right here. Right. Um, I get to play my music. Um, my wife is a puppeteer, so we, we, we incorporated puppets on a big screen. Mojo is my sidekick, Mojo the Puppet. And uh, we do sort of like a, a talk show. Um, that I love it. And yeah, it was like, this is before Charlie Rose was disgraced, but it was like, you know, and it was called uh, Cat to Cat was the name of the show. <laughs> idea here was that I was the first human guest on his on his show. But we broke up all the act Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh no technical bit along the way. And it was we did I think sixteen dates um including this is why it's up in the in, it's right there. Yeah, I play the Wilter and man and which frighteningly enough, that's where we that's where we kicked off the damn tour. Yeah. And at the Wiltern, man, I, I was not okay. Um, <laughs> and it's funny because about a week before I met Amy Mann on a plane. Oh my and, god. And we got along we just had a conversation for hours. I really I loved her. And of course I've always loved her music. And um, so High I asked her crash. to come. And I gave her free, yeah, me too. And I asked her, like, and I gave her like free tickets and whatever. And I get up on the stage and I, I, I walk on the stage playing. And I walk out there and she's the first face I see. And I was like, oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my like, gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, oh. yeah. So the tour, we were supposed to tour all of, uh, we were supposed to be touring in 2020, but we had to cancel everything. Um, and it looks like 2021 is probably not going to happen either, yeah. um, is my guess. Um, I don't think it's going to be safe to do. So, yeah, I mean, I'll get back to it as soon as I can because it was just so wonderful to, to – and, I'm, and I, I'm just one of those people who um, – I didn't I, – I always knew this, but I don't think I realized it until the pandemic hit that my inability to, to go out there – to other places mm-hmm. is it feels like someone cut off one of my legs. Like I, I just, mm-hmm. I am so ripped up about not being able to do performances and, and you know, every place we go, we go to shelters as well. Um, I have something called the Jackson galaxy project and that is affiliated right. with a lot of rescues and shelters around the country. So we do all that and, and the show and, and yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's been, it's been, I mean, listen, I'm not complaining. We're safe. We're, we're healthy here. Um, but, um, yeah, can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. Well, and for a quick tie-in, too, talk a little bit. And uh, Courtney was on before, kind of we were doing like a little pre-talk. And for people that don't know, Courtney is is Jackson's publicist and has been great in getting you on the show, which we appreciate. But we talked about the cat camp. Um, and I know Hannah is part of that as well. And yeah. you know, um, just so we, cause I want people that, that especially ones that don't follow you already that listen to our show to like get the full spectrum of all the things you do, you know, the, the pro the project you just mentioned as well, maybe just give us a brief on that. And then the cat camp. Um, sure. I mean, the Jackson awesome. galaxy project, I started the Jackson galaxy foundation, uh, my first foray into a 501 C three, which I, everybody was like, Oh, don't do that now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they were so right. It almost ate me alive. It's, it's a lot of work. 
but my idea was just to bring um, to bring work into shelters that I thought when I was a shelter worker would have helped, whether that be for the animals or, or for the humans. And, um, and we introduced some programs to help cats move through the system alive and, uh, and not just alive, but, but ready to take on challenges and whatever. And I think that, that also helped the humans. And then um, I did myself and everybody else the favor of merging with Greater Good, which is a, a much larger uh, organization mm-hmm. and becoming a signature program within them. And since then, we've been able to take the, the message in the programs. I think that we've just surpassed, we have a program called Cat Positive, which is a teaching cats uh, clicker training um, so that they become more adoptable. We keep their minds and their bodies occupied. It is one of the ways I've learned how to work with animals Interesting. Um, and, uh, and, and teaching it to volunteers and staff members. And we've just now passed over, I think, over 100 unique shelters uh, who have graduated the program. So it's a big deal. Anyway, yeah, that's the Jackson Galaxy Project. And, of course, you can find out more about that, jacksongalaxyproject.org. Um, and then Cat Camp is this wonderful, wonderful thing that um, I actually went to the first Cat Camp, I think, um, or the second, I can't remember. It, it was every year in New York. And it was founded by Christina Ha, who is... Uh, um, the owner of Meow Parlor, one of the first cat cafes in the U.S., and and she started it basically as an advocate, as somebody who themselves like wasn't in the world of advocacy until she saw a stray cat on the on the street, and um, and it was an amazing event, and I thought it was organic in that way. It was like one of those, you know. Yeah, let's let's all buy some cat ears and walk around and, and love on each other, which it was, but it was also advocacy. It was what can you do for the cats in New York, the community cats, learning about TNR, having adoptable animals, getting involved in organizations in your area, bringing together that sort of cat-loving sort of tribe in New York and exploding it. And so I signed on the next year um, and became a part owner of it, and... Uh, and then this year happened, mm. and everything went to hell. We yeah. had just started expanding it, where it went from New York to we, we expanded to one event in Vegas. This year we were going to go, 2020, we were supposed to go to New York and San Diego and one other, and then everything blew up. Um, so the cool thing was, there is a silver lining here, is that we made the decision to just pivot and try a virtual event. Oh, wow. And it went incredible incredibly well um and the biggest reason why it went well well other than the fact that hannah and myself and a bunch of other really cool cat people had a lot of cool things to say about cats and we had people coming in you know we had great chats going on and all that and fun stuff as well and uh petco foundation came in and paid for it so that nobody had to pay anything to get in it's totally free oh, amazing um, it, it is it's i mean it gave us this lease on life really to, to blow this thing out. So then we did another one and again, it grew. We're going to, we're just going to keep up with, with it. Nice. I mean, cause now we have the, we have the ability to make this community um, global, which is what is happening. And I think that, and let's just not forget, I know I'm going on, but let's not forget. Yes. Whatever the, the, the glue is, at any point in time that we needed to remember that we are part of a whole, this would be that moment, you know, and, um, and that's why I think everybody's so relieved to come in, raise their hand, be a part of something, um, and laugh together a little bit and learn something about how you can help animals. Um, so I'm really like, I, I, I couldn't be happier about where we are right now. And when we get to go live again, which my thought is it won't be until uh, 2022, but um, at that point, it'll be more of a celebration and not like just yeah. do or die, you know. Because um, uh, New York is a tough joint, man. Like, yeah. You want to crack a nut. Yeah. Right. Do it in Akron. Well, we're, we're running up against it on time. and We don't want to keep you over our promised sort of end time. But um, I, I just have to say thank you so much. Like it was nice to get more of a personal perspective on you and kind of what motivates you and, you know, to understand that we're really like, you really drove home the point of us all being connected, 
you know, all of us beings and, and how you're tackling that as a sort of a positive force in not just the, you know, the cat community is, is growing and getting more connected, like you mentioned, which is amazing, but just animal advocacy as a whole, you know, and because they, they need us, you know, we're, we've been the ones taking from them for so long. And, and and I'm glad you brought that up before I lose you. I just wanted to say that, that it doesn't matter when in your life you come to it, like you were in a, you know, vegan punk band early on in your life. I didn't associate as being a true animal activist until I met my wife who had been vegan for 20 years beforehand. And she was the one who really pointed out to me, can you call yourself an animal activist if you just stop at cats? Mm. And I think it's important to remember that, that um, why do we stop at cats? A lot of times it's because that's who's in our house. Um, And I think it's really important. A great story, and I'll leave you guys, but a great story was my mom who was a lifelong New Yorker, like, and, and, you know, I, who, one of the reasons I admired her so much is because she never stopped learning and she never stopped, you know, stopping for a second saying, should I do this? And of course, trying to get my folks to, to, you know, be vegan or whatever was an uphill battle. But there was this story in Brooklyn of this pig who had gotten, gotten loose um, from uh, on his way to a slaughterhouse in Brooklyn and uh, or Queens, and the story captivated New York City and and everybody and I think that that pig wound up at John Stewart's place, uh, <laughs> his wife's place. But my mom fell in love with this pig, and from that moment on, bacon was off the plate. You know, oh, wow. And I, but I think that that's something that that we all have to yeah. just. Listen, we're making that move anyway, whether it's for the planet or for the animals or for your health, whatever it is. um, Try it for a second, you know, Um, because, um, yeah, as you're saying, the animals are counting on us. They have no voice. And we've been messing with them pretty horribly for a good long time. And that's that's where I'll stop. Well, thank you. Oh, my gosh. Jackson Galaxy, you're just a cool dude. You're just a great <laughs> guy. You guys are a lot of fun, man. Just yeah. a great guy to talk to. Uh, thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show. We really my appreciate it. Um, this is our season finale for season four. Woo! And so we're creeping on 50 episodes, too, which is pretty amazing for our that, little that podcast amazing. that could. Um and we had a great year. I mean, this this season was amazing. We had we had you and Hannah and Ian Mackay and a bunch of other people that we really love and respect. And so we just it's been a, a fantastic season. Um, we are continuing to donate our Patreon money to our friends at Hospitality House in San Francisco, which helps individuals that are uh, suffering from mental health issues and addiction get off the streets through art therapy um, and other really, really progressive peer-to-peer counseling means. And we just love them. So we always give them a big shout out. And we, you know, between my birthday and, and the show, we, we raised them some pretty good money this year and they're a small organization. So if you have a chance, check them out. Um, please go to Jackson's many different programs and websites. Look at what he's doing, especially not just the the advocacy part of it and the work with shelters, but also the products that are, I'm like, I'm like, now I'm shopping. Like there's like amazing stuff for cats and the stuff. Actually oh yeah. You're everywhere. Them, you're everywhere. You know, and <laughs> this isn't obviously like a sales pitch kind of show, but you know, the stuff that you're doing is actually like, it cares for the animal. It's not just like a, you know, sell this product, slap your name on it, which. Oh, you know, you know what, Kevin? And I swear I'm not a shill. I swear. But I want to say I learned whisker stress from yeah. uh, one of your products. And I was like, yeah. oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Little things. People still think that's uh, crazy sometimes. But, yeah. Hmm. yeah. No, I'm glad you noticed that. I'm not. I, I, I think that. First of all, I think people think I'm rich, which is great. <laughs> uh, and the second thing is I, I, I don't. I don't. There's a reason why I haven't put uh, my name on, like, cat food, for yeah. instance. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard well, because money would be good, but I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, when you start becoming the kiss of, like, the cat community where you're putting your name <laughs> on everything, then, then, then we can have a second discussion. But the fact is that the stuff really works, and it's, it's like, it, usually there's some kind of informational video with it, which I totally appreciate. And, and, um, but anyway, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on. So yeah, thank, you, thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for coming on. And yeah. that's a wrap. <laughs>